Join Anthony Esselin, John Warwick Montgomery, Beverly Yonke, Mark Haltoff, Ryan Anderson, Todd Wilkin, and yours truly for the Fall 2018 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, November 9th and Saturday, November 10th in Dallas, Texas. To learn more, register at issuesetc.org. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Tuesday, August 7th, 2018. Oh, this is a busy week. Pirate Christian Radio Conference. And because of that, it will be a shortened broadcast week. want to let you know that now. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that's put forward by uh, for consumption uh, by the average evangelical, it's like not even close anymore to biblical. I mean, it's so far astride. And nowadays, literally, guys are like, you know, they're making no effort to even like really even preach the Bible at all. They're just kind of spewing their own doctrines in their own philosophies, but they're not actually open up, uh, opening God's Word and teaching it in any kind of meaningful way. And a little bit of a note here, and uh, I've been around for a while. Yeah, I'm 50 now. 50, can you believe that? Anyway, I'm 50, don't feel like it, but I am. And uh, as somebody who's been around for a while, I remember what Christianity in America was like prior to uh, the purpose-driven, seeker-driven movement. Uh, yeah, I, I remember what Christianity and the church was like long before these innovators came along. And when the innovators came along, they received a lot of pushback initially uh, by Christians and by pastors who were saying, well, if we do this, when will people be taught God's Word substantively? Uh, in fact, one of the people who uh, you know, was, you know, had pushback along these lines was Rick Warren, uh, the guy who literally kind of like made the whole purpose driven motif and movement, uh, very popular within Christianity. And this is going on better than a decade ago now. And, uh, and, and, uh, Rick Warren's solution was, well, we'll have an in-depth Bible study, you know, Bible study type service 
on Wednesday nights at Saddleback. And uh, they don't have those anymore. Nope, not at all. Um, and uh, and so I'll note this. That all the promises and assurance by the innovators were that, oh, don't worry. We, we'll make the Sunday service friendly for the non-believer, but we'll have other places where people will get in-depth uh, Bible teaching and uh, and uh, give them opportunities and, and services that are more akin to what they're used to uh, traditionally. And all that has gone by the wayside. And we sit there and go, well, what about small groups? Who teaches the small groups, by the way? Yeah, the uh, the qualifications for being a small group leader, and they're not even small group Bible studies anymore. Many of these things are, you know, people are getting together because of common interests. So, you know, it's a small group that's based around Pinterest, a small group based around your love for bowling. I'm not making this up. And uh, and so small groups aren't even real Bible studies anymore. And when even when they are, what are the qualifications for the person to be a small group leader? Answer: They have to have a pulse. Yeah, you know. So at least they don't allow the dead, you know, actually corpses, to uh, to lead small group studies anymore. Um, well, they never did let the corpses do it. But uh, but really, I mean, so nobody in the small group has studied, showed himself approved has uh, uh you know has been to seminary has a right understanding of God's word and and so now what has happened you know 15 20 years down the line after these innovations were first introduced in mass within evangelicalism is is that the vast majority of evangelicalism has adopted these seeker driven uh attractional church methodologies and uh, and this is now normal you know, just like, you know, the kids in high school today, not a single one of them ever remembers and can remember from their own memory what New York City, the, the skyline in New York City looked like when the Twin Towers were there. And and, and they, they their entire life, it's been New York without uh, the World Trade Center. So, uh, you know, <laughs> now you know, we've got an entire generation of people who've grown up in evangelicalism who have no memory of what it was like prior at all, no memory at all. And this is just normal. So not hearing God's word is normal. And uh, and so, uh, you know, one of the things we're trying to uh, alert people to here is, is that historically what we're seeing in, in evangelicalism, this is not how Christianity, uh, you know, has done its church services. You know, literally the vast majority of its history, that all of these new innovations that we were told would, would would just supercharge Christianity and make people want to become Christians, has failed to actually accomplish the actual mission that Christ has given to the church. And what's the mission that Christ has given to the church? To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that Christ has commanded, which would require you to actually teach the entire counsel of the Word of God. And so, you know, one of the interesting things that happens to me is uh, is that, uh, you know, I'm a pastor. I, uh, you know, not only am I a pirate, I'm a pirate during the weekdays, but uh, yeah, but I'm also a pastor. And uh, we've had people visit our congregation who literally have been in these evangelical churches, and almost to a person, they say things like, we hear more Bible in one service, in one sermon, 
than we did like for more than you know, for an entire year or more at the church we used to attend. And that's not an overstatement. That's all that's like almost universally true now. So I want you to consider this is that the everything is set up right now uh within evangelicalism. It is set up to basically appeal to unbelievers. And which means it's high on entertainment, high on production value, very expensive in the smoke and lights and you know and the rock and roll show. But um unbelievers don't want to hear the word of God. And so they're not taught God's word in any substantive way. And the people that are attending these venues, I, I don't even like calling them churches. They're not being discipled at all. And literally, biblical illiteracy is at a whole at all time high, and it's only getting worse. So we're trying to warn people, check your assumptions. You know, it in you know, and consider this the whole way you've been doing church has actually been playing into the fact that you don't know your Bible at all. And so, yeah, yeah, just saying. So, all right, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're heading over to Ed Young's Fellowship Church and listening to uh, an extended portion of his sermon titled Family Circus, the Greatest Show on Earth. Yeah, now this will be available on our YouTube channel when the time comes for us to publish this. And uh, so that, you know, you can actually see the set, you know, at the Seeker Driven Church. And uh, Ed Young was one of the guys who very early on adopted the methodologies uh, put forward by uh, Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, uh, Bob Buford. All, All methodologies helped, you know, that were kind of pioneered and experimented uh, via uh, Peter Drucker's, uh, you know, ideas regarding being purpose-driven. And so Ed Young, you know, he makes no bones about it. He's all about the innovation. He's all about the creativity. He's all about the, yeah, but you know what he ain't about? He ain't about actually teaching God's word. In fact, when it comes to, like, doing his job as a pastor, which is to preach the word, it's exactly what 2 Timothy 4 says. He he's real low energy. He's got no time for that. So we'll listen to like a pretty extended amount of this uh, opening of the sermon, and uh, and then to uh, round out our number one, we'll listen to part of a sermon by Victoria Osteen, who God words God's word forbids from actually preaching, titled "Realign Your Focus to Stay on Course." Realign your focus to stay. That that sounds like biblical stuff right there. You know what I mean? <clears throat> sarcasm intended and uh, and then uh, to round out our number one Joel Osteen and his message titled are you ready the chain breaker oh wow yeah can't wait to hear what this is about and I guarantee you, in this sermon he's gonna really teach false doctrine in the sense that scripture makes it clear that uh, sin burbles up from our sinful nature but uh, you'll you'll love the mythology that he's come up as to why people sin and uh, and then in hour number two, we're heading down to Faith Church St. Louis as we listen to David Crank and his message titled, Let Your Anointing Pop. Let Your Anointing Pop. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We have a lot of ground we need to cover. And uh, since we're going to start off with Ed Young, let's do this.
Lobos Ministry Records and uh, Casting Vision. So we're heading down to Fellowship Church. Yeah, one of the flagship innovators in the uh, seeker-driven attractional church movement. And Ed Young, early adopter with uh, all of these uh, church methodologies and the way everything is set up. And uh, so it's all about making the church attractive to unbelievers. Well, what could be more? What could be more attractive than, you know, a circus and decking out your church to look like a circus, and then rambling on and on and on and on and on and on and on about you know circusy things and. How, you know, then using that as the metaphor for talking about how your family's a circus and stuff. Yeah. Here's uh, Ed Young and his low energy approach to actually doing his job that scripture gives him, that God gives him to preach the word. Here we go. You know, the first time I ever went to a circus, I was six years old. My mother took my brother and I to Greenville Memorial Auditorium. Mm hmm. It smelled of stale popcorn. We had great seats. And we watched 
Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. How many of you have ever seen or ever attended Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus? It truly is an amazing show. Now from there, I experienced some other circuses in my life and Lisa and I have been out to Las Vegas several times. We've seen Cirque du Soleil. You ever seen Cirque du Soleil? Amazing circus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Circuses are cool. That's why we're doing this adventure week called The Greatest Show. Wow. Look at this. Don't you love it? So circuses are neat. They're cool, man. Wow. So that's the reason why Fellowship Church has been turned into a a circus. So rather than feeding sheep, he's entertaining goats. Way to go, Ed. That's just great. These stickers, the greatest show. Did you see the movie, The Showman? Anyone see that? That was great. That was great. I really like that. I really like that too. But there's, there's nothing like the circus. I remember the tightrope artists. I remember the contortionists. I remember the clowns. I remember the elephants. I remember the tigers. I remember all sorts of things. When I Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. <laughs> you know, I... Um, I've seen a couple circuses in my life, and uh, yeah, I um, I have no idea what this has to do with making disciples. You know, actually preaching the word the way pastors are told by God in His Word to do. You know, it's weird. First experience the circus. Yeah, circus. You know, since we're just having a conversation, I thought I'd ask you a question. <laughs> You're just you're just having a conversation. Uh, that's called a monologue, by the way, because no one's talking to you, dude. Um, you should be actually preaching the word. You know, sermon time is open the word time. You know, you, you remember how this used to be, you know, when you were growing up and you first got into, you know, in the ministry, we'd open up the word and preach the word because... You know, uh, let me remind you of uh, what Jesus says that the church is to be about the business of doing. In Matthew 28, that passage that we're all familiar with, and it's come to be known as the Great Commission. Now, apparently, it's like the Great Omission. Nobody nobody knows what the church is supposed to be doing, you know. But uh, Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 says, um, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the one who has all the authority. And so the guy who gets to call the shots, here's what he says the church is supposed to be doing. Are you ready? Uh, go, therefore. It's, it, it, go, by the way, is not the imperative. As you are going, it's a participle. So as you are going, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Disciples are learners. What are they supposed to be learning? Well, Jesus will get to that in a minute. Uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here we go, teaching. So disciples are learners teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And since Jesus is God in human flesh, all that he's commanded is going to be found in like all 66 books of the Bible. 
There's a lot of stuff we got to be covering as pastors, you know, so we might want to get busy, you know, preaching the word the way <clears throat> Paul said it, you know, again, he wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you're just saying, but we come back to Ed and he tells us about the circus. Would you describe your life as a circus? No. I mean, it's just you and me talking. I mean, it's just like a one-on-one conversation. But would, would, would you say, you know... You know, actually, it's not. It's a total monologue. Why are you saying it's like a one-on-one conversation? If somebody were to actually speak up and answer your question and try to have a dialogue with you, I think security at Fellowship would throw them out. My, my life, Ed, is a circus. It's so crazy people would pay tickets to see it. (laughs) Maybe you're like, yeah, my life is a circus. My family is a circus. Are you just trying to burn time here? I mean, every Sunday when I preach, I mean, before I even hit the pulpit, the people there have already heard the the biblical text I'm going to be preaching from. And so when I start preaching, literally I remind them of what they heard and we go back through a text and work our way through it. Are you familiar with this concept? These are the this is the way you preach. What what biblical text are you preaching on, Ed? Cuz it just seems to me like you're trying to figure out how to pass some time here. You know, you're just kind of chewing the fat. I understand that. Yeah. There's a ringmaster and everyone and the three rings. And I remember again watching Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. The ringmaster, he would have everything synchronized and he would pace everything perfectly and ring one and ring two and ring three. Whoa, you know. Maybe you're involved in a family circus. I mean, After all, all of us are members of a family. Ring one, you've got the marriage. How's that that working? I don't know. I'm just asking. But you're not expecting a real answer. Two, you've got the family, the kids and all that. And ring three, your career. What you do for a living. I would argue... I mean, I'm not an attorney, but to throw in like one of the favorite words attorneys use, I would argue the family is a circus. You spend a lot of time talking to attorneys. And one of their favorite phrases is that the family is a circus. I apparently don't know that many attorneys. Some of you are laughing. You're like going, wow, I I am a tightrope artist right now. I'm trying to balance life's demands. I'm a single parent, Ed, and you have no idea. I don't, but I'm just suggesting that maybe you're in a circus. Others are like, no, I'm a clown. I am a clown. If you saw my life, you would just laugh. It's that funny. I'm a contortionist. 
I'm a trapeze artist going from one thing to the next thing. And if you saw my schedule for the next couple of weeks, we start school. <laughs> These extracurricular activities is unbelievable. My life's a circus. Now, a little bit of a note here. <clears throat> Romans chapter 3. The whole premise behind the way Ed Young is doing church. Yeah, this is it's known as the seeker-driven approach. Or nowadays, they've kind of lo- lost the phrase seeker-driven. And they talk about attractional churches, about being attractional. But uh, here's, the, here's the important thing we've got to understand is that the entire premise behind this approach to doing church, the whole assu- the, the core assumption is totally wrong, all right? So if I were to ask you, why do pagans not come to church? What would the biblical answer be to this? The answer biblically is because they're pagans, because they are actually dead in trespasses and sins. There's not a single pagan who doesn't come to church because the the church sings hymns or has an organ or their pastor wears vestments or anything like that. Nothing like that at all. In fact, Scripture is very clear on this. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 3. So what then? Are, Are we Jews any better off? Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, well, not at all. For we have already charged that all, that's everybody, by the way, both Jews and Greeks, that would be the whole world, they are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feast are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Yeah, so the whole core assumption behind the seeker driven movement that the reason why pagans don't come to church is because they they don't they they don't feel it's not entertaining and relevant to them no the reason they don't come to church is cuz they're dead in trespasses and sins and they hate god that's literally what the scriptures are saying so ed right here he thinks he's you know letting he's real, he's just letting pagans know how much he cares for them by by basically making the church, you know, entertaining and relevant so that they can come. But you'll know what's missing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like any meaningful, in-depth preaching and teaching on what God's word says. Yes, I'm a grandparent and I'm keeping the grandkids and I'm trying to do this and starting a business over there. My life is... Is it just me? Or do you think that pagans would also find this whole thing that he's doing here to be just annoying? A circus. That's true, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Life is a circus. And when you talk about the family, it's, it's a circus. And so you've made your church. A circus. And notice the way you're talking about circus now. It's not necessarily positive. You know, 
now you know you're talking about circus like it's something difficult and hard and you've made your church into that Jesus All right first mention of Jesus 4 minutes 54 seconds into the sermon but don't worry there's there's no bible to go along with this one I would argue is the ultimate ringmaster He's our righteous ringmaster. I know we. No. Um, In the list of things that Jesus is, you know, Alpha and Omega, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, which means God with us, you know, Savior, Redeemer, you know, friend of sinners. I have yet to see a biblical passage that even remotely refers to Jesus like a ringmaster, because you know what a ringmaster is, right? He's the master of ceremonies. In a big show that's meant to entertain you. So calling him our righteous ringmaster doesn't make any sense. Wants to be. And he has an amazing agenda for the family. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the son of God. I'm talking about. So, so the ringmaster. He has an agenda for the fa- So he, Jesus wants to be the ringmaster of the chaos that is your family circus. You know, the Lord, I'm talking about the whole tenor and tone of Scripture. God desires for the family. Yeah, why don't you spend some time working through the entire tenor and tone of Scripture? You you know, Sunday after Sunday there at Fellowship. Oh, I know why you wouldn't do that. Because if you did that, you'd drive all the pagans away. Circus, your family circus and mine, to hit on all cylinders, to be synchronized supernaturally, to be paced perfectly. Jesus is wired. He, 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 is, he is the one who needs to hold the microphone to wear the top hat and the red blazer and to, to run the show. Oh, man. <laughs> Just picturing Jesus in a top hat and a circus red blazer is doing violence to my mind there, dude. So he has the best in store for every single family here. I love to kind of play mind games with myself, and I want you to play a mind game. Have you ever have you ever just kind of thought about mind games are not a good thing? <sighs> what if your family was just like almost perfect? Let's, let's just play that game. Okay, just think about your family for a second. Okay, what if it was just this utopic? Vibe. Everything was hitting on all cylinders, and and Jesus was the ringmaster. Then there would be no sin in the world. <laughs> what? What if? What is this? And and Act One, Act Two, Act Three. You got the marriage and the kids and the career, and God as the audience. Whoa! It was perfect. I mean, nearly perfect. You know, okay, close to being perfect. But let's just think about that. Have you ever thought about that before? I have. Have you ever thought about, too, like, what if we lived in a perfect environment? Let me do a kind of sidebar thing. What if we didn't pay any taxes, but we made the politicians pay all the taxes? That would be like the ultimate, wouldn't it? I mean... 
he's not even 60 years old yet, and he's kind of rambling in such a way it makes me think maybe it's time for, like, mandatory retirement and put Ed in an old folks home. We <laughs> just... What is going on here? What if I could do one push-up and look like The Rock? <laughs> the ultimate, you know? What if... What if Fruit Loops, like, made you ripped? <laughs> what if every fish was a 10-pound bass? What if every time I played golf, I, I birdied every hole? <laughs> this utopic... <laughs> He's lost his mind. He's lost his marbles. What on earth? Culture. Oh. oh, the utopic family. This family that's so amazing. Again, we're just playing games. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I've failed to implement the mind game portion of the sermon when I preach. Have you seen the marriage? It's almost perfect in this family circus. You've got husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. That's what the Bible says we're to do, and that's what the ring mount. Yeah, that is what the Bible says to do. I'd like to learn a little bit more about how Jesus loved the church. Their desires. The husband is loving his wife selflessly and sacrificially and steadfastly. I did that alliteration for all the preachers who were here. See, only four or five people laughed, and that's about how many preachers we have. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a preacher, and I don't find that even remotely funny. No one else got that joke. And you know, when you're at my age, 57, many times I'll do jokes just for one person. I don't really care if you laugh or not. But those who understand preaching were on the ground. That was hilarious. To yeah, I understand a lot about preaching. Mm -hmm. Do it every week. And I can tell you something. That ain't preaching. And it's not even entertaining. It's actually kind of creepy and annoying and really weird. Um, what happened to all the promises we received from Men like Rick Warren and Ed Young and others who brought these innovations into evangelicalism, that they would still, that that, that they they were they were just changing the method, but they were not changing the message. I don't even hear the message of Christianity anymore from these churches, not even close. Uh, but they spend a lot of money, though. I mean, how much do you think it costs to deck the stage out like that? So there you go. If that seemed kind of awkward and painful, that was actually kind of the point of that particular segment. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Victoria and Joel Osteen. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. This might feel like theological waterboarding, but you'll get used to it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. 
You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> So the new pastor came in and shut down the Sunday school, uh, canceled the adult Bible study, no. dumped the hymnals, oh, sacked the choir, and put dang. in a praise band and started preaching sermons that sound like they could be preached or done on Dr. Phil's program. It's awful. I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody expects the purpose-driven inquisition. Our chief weapon is purpose. Purpose and vision. Vision and purpose. Our two weapons are purpose and vision. And ruthless relevance. Our three weapons are purpose, vision, and ruthless relevance in an almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren. Our four weapons. Now, amongst our weaponry are such elements as purpose, vision. I'll, I'll come in again. <clears throat> I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody expects a purpose-driven inquisition. Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as purpose, vision, ruthless relevance, and almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren and nice Hawaiian shirts. Oh, damn. I can't say it. You'll have to say it. Uh, what? You'll have to say what the bit about our chief weapons are. Uh, I, I couldn't do that. <clears throat> I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Uh, nobody, uh, expects, uh, expects, no, nobody expects the, um, purpose driven inquisition. Uh, I, I know, I know. Nobody expects the purpose driven inquisition. In fact, those who our do, chief ex- weapons are. our chief weapons are, um, purpose, uh, uh, vision. Okay. And- okay. Stop, stop that. Stop that. Our chief weapons are purpose. Blah, 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 blah. Youth pastor Rick. Read the charges. Dude, you're like hereby charged with being divisive and not following our program. That's enough! Now, how do you plead? Well, we're innocent. Ha! 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 We'll soon change your mind about that! Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code 
for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Listening to Fighting for the Faith will cause you to believe that Scripture teaches that the reason pagans don't come to church is because they are dead in trespasses and sins and hate God. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron via Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. And if you would like to uh, support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself, an uncharted island in an endless sea. What makes me happy fills me up with glee. Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw, my shiny teeth and me. Just like the Christmas tree 
You know they walk a mile just to see me smile. Shiny teeth and me. All right, that can mean only one thing. We're going to be doing a uh, Joel and Victoria Osteen update. Uh, It seems like lately I've been putting them together. So uh, let's head over to Lakewood as uh, Victoria Osteen overtly disobeys the actual uh, word of God by preaching a little mini-sermon, and she does this literally every single Sunday. I'm not making that up. This is part of their routine now, and it has been part of the routine for a few years. And uh, Victoria Osteen is taking the stage, and here's her little mini-sermon titled, Realign Your Focus to Stay on Course. Here we go. When I was a little girl, I loved to go to the beach with my family. We would get to the beach, and I remember so well, we had this huge red umbrella that we drilled down in the sand. We'd put our beach blanket out, get our ice chest, get our spot ready for a day at the beach. And as soon as it was set, I'd take off to the water. I could spend hours out in the waves just having such a good time. And one day, I had been out there, seems like for several hours. In fact, I had made it to the second sandbar. Now, if you know what those sandbars are, they, they're deep spots. And then you get on the sandbar and it's like you're on the shore. You can be way out and you can be just up to your knees. So I had made my way all the way out to the second sandbar. I wanted my family to see me from shore because I thought I am really done well today. So I stood up and I began to wave my hands looking for my family. I was searching everywhere for where our spot was, where we had set that red umbrella. When I realized I could see a lot of people, I could see a lot of things, but I couldn't spot my family. Well, I got kind of panicking as a little girl. I thought I got to find my family. Where did they go? So I swam as quick as I could, worked really hard to make it to shore, looking for my family, a walk to the left all the way as far as I could, couldn't find them, turned around, walked to the right, looking and looking for my family, went at a distance. I spotted that red umbrella. And can I tell you as a little girl, that was a happy moment for me. I thought, there they are. I'm safe and everything is okay. You see, what I didn't realize was when I was out in that water, those undercurrents were slowly taking me down the beach. It was so subtle. I was playing, minding my own business, but they just drug me all the way down the beach, about two to 300, maybe more feet down the beach. I didn't even realize what was happening to me. What biblical text are you preaching on, which you shouldn't be doing anyway? You know, in life, it can be much like that. There are undercurrents in life trying to drag us off, get us. So there are undercurrents that are trying. These undercurrents have a volitional will. Um, okay. Off course from where we are supposed to be. I hear these comments a lot. I was raised in church. My whole life I went to church. I don't know how I got so far away from God. Yeah, well, if you're attending a church like, you know, Lakewood, uh, attending that church explains how you've gotten so far away from God. Mm Mm-hmm. Spoke to a woman the other day. 
She was telling me how happy her marriage was until they began to argue, until they began to not be able to see eye to eye. She said, we were so happy at first. She said, but now we've drifted apart. We've separated. Things just aren't the same. You see, those are the results of the undercurrents that are trying to destroy our life. Um, Don't you think that might have something to do with, you know, sin and our sinful flesh? You know, I I just bring that up. I mean, because, you know, Lakewood's supposed to be a church. So, you know, that being the case, you'd think that, well, you know, the Bible might actually have some bearing in how we think about these things. You know, a marriage pulling apart and people drifting and and having difficulty in their marriage and stuff. I'm just saying it might have something to do with, you know, our sinful nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let, let, let me explain it this way. From Galatians 5, Paul writes, Walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of your sinful flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. And so you'll note here this it, the undercurrents that Paul is talking about actually reside inside of us because every Christian still has a sinful nature. So he says this in verse 18, If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, they are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So just saying that, you know, um, you know, many marriages are torn apart because one or both partners uh, are following after the desires, the sinful desires of their sinful flesh. And that's not some weird thing that's outside of them. That's something inside of them. And they need to repent, be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ, and bear fruit in keeping with repentance. To get us off course. And those are the things that we need to pay attention to. Because they can be so subtle. We don't even realize that they're happening. Right. Undercurrents can be many different things. Yeah. Can be hanging around with the wrong people. Yeah, that might have something to do with sin there. Wrong friends. Going places and being with people that don't have the same values that you do. You know, this is what the Bible says about that. It says, bad company corrupts good character. Yeah, that's true. The Bible does say that. It actually says, don't be misled. Don't be misled. Undercurrents can be bad attitudes. Bad attitudes. Okay. It can be selfishness. Yeah, that would be a sin. That's not an undercurrent. That's actual sin. That's like the like primary source, uh, the wellspring of sin right there is selfishness and self-centeredness. Laziness. Ang- yeah, th- these are sins. See, these are the things that can separate families. These are the things that can cause us to lose good jobs, successful careers. 
You see, if I would have just paid attention to where I was in relation to where that red umbrella was, I could have kept my position. See, the undercurrents were there and they were dragging me off because undercurrents will always have that tendency to drag us. Yeah, why are you talking about sin in such a way that they're like victims rather than perpetrators? That's crazy. But I could have made the necessary adjustments to get back in line. See, I could have positioned myself back to where I needed to be. I think about Samson in the Bible. Many of you know his story. The prophets predicted his birth. He was a man that had an amazing destiny lined out for him. He had this supernatural strength that God had given him. Yeah, here's the weird part. Samson actually fulfilled his assignment. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. And he's even a type and shadow of Christ. I know you find that hard to believe, but that is also most certainly true. Was talented. God had positioned him in an amazing position. But he was weak in his morality. He got his eyes on the wrong things. He let his guard down. You see, he didn't keep the position that he had. Those undercurrents in life dragged him off. And he never was everything he could have been. Can you imagine if he would have just got up during the day at some point, if he would have just said to himself, you you are aware, Victoria, that Samson appears in Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith passage. Yep, he does. Um, And so what she's saying about Samson's not actually true. Mm hmm. Yeah, so we we got a problem here, and that is is that the details that she's giving us regarding Samson are biblically incorrect. Now let, let me let me give you an example here. Now it's granted. I mean, you know the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson ended up foolishly telling Delilah what it was that gave him his strength. Um, but the issue is is that he actually fulfilled his mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me let me read uh, the end of of Judges 16, which is the end of the life of Samson. And Samson called to Yahweh and said, "O oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O oh God, that I may avenge on the Philistines for my two eyes." Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. He leaned his weight against them. Yeah, notice arms spread out. His right hand on one, his left hand on the other. Does that sound like Christ on the cross? It should, because Samson is actually a type and shadow of Christ, and he reflects the um, the best way I could put it is the is with what Christ looks like with the scandal of it of uh, all of our sin being laid on him. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. So uh, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He bowed with all of his strength. The house fell upon the uh, the lords and upon the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. And um, then his brothers and all his family came down, took him and brought him and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. Years, yeah. Nothing in Scripture actually indicates that he did not fulfill 
his um, his commission. In fact, when we read Judges thirteen, uh, you know, which is when the Lord Himself appears uh, to the parents of Samson, we learn what his mission was. Uh, Judges 13, the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren, had no children. So the angel of the Lord, this is be Jesus himself, appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you're barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful, drink no wine or strong drink, eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Note here, his mission given by God was the beginning of saving Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And that is exactly what he did. And Samson shows up in Hebrews 11 as a man who accomplished his mission by faith. Yep, that's absolutely the case. But uh, Victoria here doesn't know her Bible, shock of shocks, because if she really did know her Bible, she wouldn't be preaching a sermon, you know. Am I on the right course? Am I focused? Am I aligned with my purpose? Am I treating people right? And am I respecting what God has given me? And am I walking humbly before him, honoring him with what I do? Can you imagine if he would have done that, the life he could have lived? Yeah, weird. Samson actually accomplished his mission. Weird. Yeah, just really strange. So, uh, yeah, if uh, if only Victoria would actually keep her focus on the actual word of God rightly taught, um, she wouldn't be saying this nonsense and filling these people's heads with stuff that is false. The same. All right, moving along, we're still under the Joel Osteen umbrella, so let's hear from Joel Osteen himself and his message titled, The Chain Breaker. Here we go. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. No, you won't. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I want to talk to you today about the chain breaker. We all have forces that are trying to hold us back. Here we go again. Both Joel and Victoria Osteen, you'll note in today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, are going to be talking about sin as if there's some kind of mystical forces outside of us. And he's going to describe people as victims of these forces rather than actual guilty perpetrators of sin, committers of sin who need to be forgiven by God. We wonder why we can't get ahead, why we can't break an addiction, why we can't control our temper. Uh, Addictions and tempers fall into the category of sins of the flesh. Those are chains that are restricting us. No, those are sins that dwell within us, that come from within us. So you'll note here, these people are teaching a false anthropology, and they're literally to the point now where we are victims of sin, not perpetrators of it. Chains of guilt 
beating ourselves up for past mistakes, chains. Uh, those would be called sins. Depression, that dark cloud follows us around, or chains of low self-esteem. We a, a, a chain of low self-esteem. <laughs> oh, boy. Ever feel good about ourselves? That recording is constantly playing. You're not attractive enough. You're not talented. You don't have a good personality. What? I, I, I don't have that kind of self-dialogue going on inside of me. You were not created to live bound. Bound by loneliness, bound by shame, bound by negative words that were spoken over you. The good news is our God is a chain breaker. No, the good news is, and this is the gospel, by the way, good news means, you know, gospel means good news. The good news is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was raised again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the good news. You may not see how it can happen. Your circumstances look permanent. Now get ready. The chain breaker is about to show up. What text could you possibly be pointing to that says that the chain breaker is about to show up. That chain of loneliness is being broken. You're going to meet a divine connection. Some says who? Be better than you've imagined. That chain of injustice, bad breaks, always being overlooked, it's being broken. Because you said so? It's being broken? Who gave you the authority to break these things? God is about to pay you back. He's going to make up for the wrongs that were done. Or that chain of lack, struggle, not having enough, it's being loosed. Yeah, what if the reason why you have lack and you're struggling financially is because of sin? Uh Uh-huh. Just asking. Opportunity is going to chase you down. It it is? Opportunity is going to chase me down? How do you figure? going to have to go after it it's going to come after you why the chains came off just because you said so you're being released into favor Rel- i am i'm being released into favor well it's about time i i it's been you know i don't think i've ever been released into favor into healing released into new levels luke 13 jesus was teaching in the synagogue and He saw a lady that had been sick for 18 years. She was bent over and not able to stand up straight. It was the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to do any kind of work. The religious leaders were watching to see what Jesus was going to do. He said something interesting in verse 16. Should not this woman whom Satan has bound for 18 years be loosed from her sickness? He described the sickness as a chain. He said she was bound. Jesus touched the lady and instantly she was healed. Yeah, no, this is historical narrative. Um, Yes, this lady was unbound from the oppression of Satan. Mm -hmm. And just because she was, how does that mean that the chain breaker is going to show up and break lack in my life? Whatever has you bound. Whatever is restricting you, God is saying, this is your time to be free. How do you figure that text has been in there since Luke wrote it almost 2,000 years ago? And just now it's my time to be free? Uh Uh-huh. 
It is not your destiny to go through life with things limiting you. Says who? Again, we live under a curse and we are active participants in sin. You're making promises for God that God does not make here. And these are not promises that are actually connected to the gospel itself. If you will receive this into your spirit, I believe that every chain that is... So if I receive it into my spirit, where does it say in Scripture, if I receive this into my spirit, God's going to break every chain? Is being broken. Chains of sickness, chains of depression... Even chains that have been in your family line for generations. Yeah, like the chain of false doctrine and heresy that's in your family line, Joel. Now, you may not feel any different. The circumstances look the same. This is what faith is all about. Instead of thinking, oh man, it didn't work for me. No, turn it around. Father, thank you that my chains are gone. Thank you. Uh huh. So now I just got to positively think and say and praise God that my chains are already gone even though they're still there. Wow. Scripture doesn't teach us to do that either. I am free. Thank you that every force that's holding me back has been broken. Get in agreement with God. Freedom starts in your mind. As long as you think... Freedom starts in your mind. Are you into the mind science cults? What is this? I'll never get well. Did you see the medical report? Or my grandmother was depressed. My mother was depressed. I guess I'll always be depressed. So just deny reality and speak positive words, you know. Sounds like, you know, embracing delusional thinking. Didn't work for George Costanza's father, by the way. Serenity now! Serenity now! No, the difference with you is the chain breaker showed up. God set you free. You're the one. Free from what? Set a new standard. You're the one to defy the odds. Talk about narcissism. I mean, this just feeds a bunch of people who love them selves the enemies you see today you will see no more those things that have held you back you're not going to see them anymore this is a new day of freedom a new day of wholeness i can see through my eyes of faith chains coming off chains of debt being broken Chains of cancer. Yeah, he's, again, making promises for God that he hasn't made. And everyone there is just slurping this up. Bunch of pig slop, though. Wow. Heart trouble being loose. Chains of fear, low self-esteem, depression. You will see them no more. Is there something limiting you today? Why don't you have this new perspective? My chains are gone. I've been loosed. Start living from a freedom mindset, not a bound mindset. Not, I'll never get ahead. (laughs) Joel, I'll never get any good breaks. That was the past. This is a new day. I've been released into increase. I've been released into favor, released into blessings. Instead of... Yeah, now note here. Jesus, in uh, Luke's version of the Great Commission, uh, writes this regarding what Jesus said. Um... In uh, Luke 24, 30, uh, 46, Jesus uh, says, It is written that the Messiah should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Yeah. 
repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Do you, do you hear Joel preaching, you know, repentance for the forgiveness of sins in that message? Like, not at all. He's making promises for God that God has never made. And sin, he makes them sound like they're, you know, they're the victims rather than the perpetrators of sin. And what's really interesting is, is that there is another text found in the book of Acts that where where we learn some more of the details as it literally pertains to the great commission yeah it's 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 found in acts chapter 10 specifically verse 42 but i want you to hear it in context this is peter preaching and teaching uh the first gentile convert he'll soon to be he's soon to be the first gentile convert to christianity uh the roman centurion Cornelius, and here's uh, what Peter says in Acts 10, starting in verse 34. He says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead." And here it is, verse 42. He, Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Yeah, So, Peter, we learn a little bit more of the details of the Great Commission. So, the Great Commission kind of involves several concepts, teaching all that Christ has commanded, proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations, that Jesus is to judge the living and the dead, and that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, Joel is preaching a message that doesn't involve repentance at all. Uh, No, in fact, he's preaching a message where sins are literally described as mysterious, outside-of-you forces that, uh, that are trying to hold you back from your destiny. And he is claiming that Jesus is now going to show up as the chain breaker and break people free from addictions and poverty and lack and purposelessness and nonsense like this. And the one thing that Joel isn't preaching, the message that Christ commanded the church to preach, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, so that everyone who believes in Jesus will receive the forgiveness of sins through his name. Yeah, uh, Joel Osteen's message, it's not Christian. It's not biblical. It's actually extremely dangerous and quite narcissistic, which is exactly what Scripture said would happen in the days immediately before the return of Christ. Keep that in mind. All right, we are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard 
on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, head to Faith Church St. Louis and listening to David Crank. Yeah, it's just going to be a mess about making your anointing pop. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. High Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society, and it's it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee, and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to Gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out!
The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Faith Church St. Louis. The vision casting leader, David Crank, presiding. Name of the message, Let Your Anointing Pop. No idea what that means. No clue. I mean, they just make stuff up. It's... They don't even really try to rightly handle God's word anymore. They just, whatever comes to the top of their head, they think that's from the Holy Spirit. So, buckle up. Let me back off on the music. And without any further ado, let's get to it. Here is David Crank, and let your anointing pop. Here we go. All services, I've been monitoring it, you know, because I have a camera and I can see what everybody's doing at all campuses and watching it. Everybody is at church today. Come on, give it up for everybody showing up today. Good to see you. Y'all looking good. Everybody shout, I'm looking good. Look at him again. Say, my pastor said, I'm pretty. Go ahead and tell him, I'm pretty. Having fun today. All weekend I had last night was a lot of fun. And today I preach at Earth City and, 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 and here, obviously, in all campuses. But I, I want to talk to you in particular about being baptized and what, what happens when you're baptized and how I got baptized. How many of y'all want to hear where I got baptized? Come on, somebody. Anybody? You're going to hear about it whether you want it or not. So I got baptized where Jesus got baptized, in the River Jordan. Jordan means like death, where there was a moving across. There was a, something happening. So I was like 15, 14 or 15. I think I was 15. And uh, my dad decides we're going to go baptize me in the River Jordan because he thinks that's going to fix me. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? And, uh, I always say, you know, my mother-in-law actually went there this last year to get baptized. And I said, hey, whatever you do, don't die over there. She said, why? I said, well, if you do die, make sure they ship you home. She said, why? I said, because I heard people get resurrected over there. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. I didn't mean it. But anyway, the night before I got baptized, my, we'd been on like a 13-day trip, like touring Israel, which is really neat. You should do it and see where Jesus lived and all these different you know, places of interest. It's huge. And then the, my dad's kind of done, though, because now we've been eating fish that you can see the head. How many of y'all don't think you should ever look a fish in the eye before you eat it? Raise your hand. How many of y'all, you don't care? Raise your hand. I want to see who you are. You scared me. I don't want to go camping with you. So my dad looks at it. He's like, okay, we're going to go get something to eat tonight. So we jump in this, this like, uh, uh, what do you call it? A taxi. But the guy doesn't speak English. So he, my dad's trying to tell him, we want, because you know, if you don't know the language, you should always like speak slower and louder. That helps, right? <laughs> we want American food. He doesn't know. All he knows is we're Americans and we would love, and my dad did not like pop culture music. He was only country music. So he thinks we want to listen to Michael Jackson's new album. And we want to take a big tour of everything we had seen all day. Can you imagine that? So now instead of going to McDonald's or whatever, we're touring everything my dad already saw. And I'm loving it because he's like, oh, it's a thriller. And my dad's like, ah. So that was the night before I got baptized. Had nothing to do with my sermon, but now you know. Come on, somebody. Give it up for Jesus. I, I want to go this passage in, 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 in the Bible. In, in Matthew 3, verse 13, it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan, unto John to be baptized by him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Can, can you imagine the responsibility of baptizing Jesus? Wouldn't that be heavy, you know? Now, you're going to take the context of this. Now, John is the cousin of Jesus. Remember, if you read the Bible at all, you know that when, 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 when Elizabeth comes 
to Jesus' mother to say that she's pregnant, all of a sudden, John, in his mother's womb, gets filled with the Holy Ghost and power. How many of y'all know that's when you know you're a bad mama jamma little baby when that happens, right? You're just close to your cousin. It's like an umbilical cord of the Holy Ghost. He's like, or even no teeth. It's just like, this is. Um, so he envisions the, the John the Baptist in utero uh, babbling incoherently in gibberish. Yeah, that's not tongues, by the way. That's gibberish. Going on, he gets filled with the spirit in his mother's womb. Come on, somebody ought to shout him into that. <laughs> so now John lives his life with his cousin, and then now he knows that Jesus needs to be baptized. And part of the reason why he needs baptism in water is because it had been foretold in the scripture. Verse 15, it says, and Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be. Come on, John, you got to let this happen to fulfill all righteousness. This needs to happen. He had to obey. May I suggest to you that there are certain things in your life that God wants to do. He needs to do. And you're called to do. But until you fulfill the thing that you're supposed to do. He can't do this new thing in your life. In other words a lot of people. How did you jump that chasm? Because the text is about Jesus. And Jesus is baptism. And somehow you've hijacked this text. To make it about me. Or something that I'm supposed to do next. And. And whatever, and the theology that is literally spewing out of your mouth like vomit has nothing whatsoever to do with anything the Bible actually teaches. What what is going on here? Let me back this up. That God wants to do, he needs to do, and you're called to do. But until you fulfill the thing that you're supposed to do, he can't do this new thing in your life. In other words... Yeah, yeah, get that, that what he just said has nothing to do at all with anything the Bible says. A lot of people would do right if right showed up, but we got to do right when it feels wrong. And if we do what's right, because it's right long enough, right shows up. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise. There's the fulfillment of scripture. I mean, everybody has a, I wish my marriage would be better. I wish my kids would be better. I, I wish, and we need less wishbone, more backbone to say, hey, I know God said this, so I need to do it. For instance, church attendance. You know, it's very easy now, especially, you know, as we're busy, we can just pull it up on our phone and watch online. And that's fine occasionally. Or, or if you live in Timbuktu. But if you're here and you're in proximity to the church, the Bible said, forsake not the assemblies of yourself together. When the evil day approaches, do it all the more. So you might not be experiencing the breakthroughs that you need, and you're experiencing a lot of breakdowns that you don't need, only because you did not obey the thing that he said for you to do. Come on, I'm doing better preaching than you are a man around now. Come on, Weldon. I'm talking to you right now. I'm saying that God is starting something in you, and he wants to do something big, 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 big. Muy, muy grande. In your life. but he So God wants to do something big in my life. And just like, you know, Jesus' baptism, God wanted to do something big in Jesus' life. But until he got baptized, God couldn't do it. No text says this, by the way, but that's literally the theology he's attaching to the baptism of Christ. So God wants to do something big in my life. Big, 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 because I'm so important. But I've got to... I've got to do a certain thing. It, we're not sure what it is, but it might be come to church or tithe in order for me to be able to get that next thing. Uh-huh. Can't do it because you won't do it. Oh, Lord, I'm preaching better than your amen. 
I know it's tight, but it's right. Oh, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, and this obnoxious thing that you're doing here, that's, that's called manipulation. Preaching by myself, I do it all the time. Sometimes I even rhyme, even though it doesn't pay a dime. Somebody, come on. So, so, so here we are. He says, look, you need to do it to fulfill righteousness. Now, verse 16, it says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up. Now, I want you to consider this for a second. The, the baptism of John the, baptism, of the, John the Baptist was a baptism for the repentance of sins and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What sins did Jesus commit? None. And John is forbidding him because Jesus is sinless. John the Baptist is not, and John is saying, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let it be so now in order to fulfill all righteousness. So the the sinless one is being baptized into a sinner's baptism. Isn't that interesting? Great, interesting theology that has something to do with the actual gospel itself and the real promises that God has made for us and to us. But what David Crank is doing with this text, and obnoxiously so, is doing absolute violence to it. Straightway out of the water, and I love this, the heavens opened up to him. Now, I was at Earth City preaching a while ago, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I never heard this before. But number one. Now, note, he's claiming direct revelation from God the Holy Spirit right now. We see that it's heavens, plural, not heaven. In other words, there's layers of glory, layers of heaven. And then it said when he was baptized or he was immersed in water, heaven opened up to him. Now, a little bit of a note here. Um, In the ancient way of thinking, there were three heavens. The sky is one heaven, the first heaven. Outer space is the second heaven. And where God lives, the abode of God, that is the third heaven. And at Jesus' baptism, literally, two heavens had to open up. The abode of God, as well as the sky. Uh-huh, that's the idea and why it has heavens, plural, uranoi. May I suggest to you that one act of obedience opens up a heaven and a door of opportunity that you've been praying for? But it- Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it through the sermon. That is just utterly blasphemous. So one, one, uh, you know, one instance of obedience is going to open up heaven to you and you in the, and wow, talk about an adventure and missing the point. He, by saying this, he's proven he is not qualified to even be teaching in Christ's church publicly because he has not studied, not shown himself approved, and he's not capable of rightly handling and dividing the word of God. Won't happen until you do this part. Come on, don't give me a Tiger Woods golf clap today. I need somebody to put their faith on this. I need Weldon to get into this. I need... Yeah, that's manipulation again. I need... Everybody shout amen. amen. So, so he said, heavens opened up to him. Now, now picture this. When all of a sudden it says that there was a dove descended down out of heaven. Type of the Holy Spirit. This dove shows up. The sound effects are the best I can do. Come on, somebody. And it says, then there was a sound in heaven. Notice that your movement on earth causes a sound to move in heaven. But No, it doesn't. This is Jesus we're talking about here. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is Jesus, God the Son, second person of the Holy Trinity, in human flesh here. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, so what he's just saying, is not only is it nonsense, it's blasphemous nonsense at that. If you don't do what you need to do down here, he can't do what he needs to do up there. I'm answering problems. No, no, that is not what this text is saying. Solving this problem for you right now. So, so when you make a move, heaven makes a move. That's why the Bible said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Uh, yeah, that's called the office of the keys. And that's relating to forgiving sins. Yeah. So now, now get this. So now it says there's a, there's a voice that comes from heaven. Dove comes in. Boom, and here's a voice. And it says, this is my beloved son, 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 in whom I'm well. Please, 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 please. Okay, so he, he hears this. This is my beloved son. Now, this is important. Here's the reason why. You, you remember later now, Jesus is led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Because we know temptation, trials, and troubles comes from the devil. God doesn't tempt anybody. He is good, and he does not tempt evil uh, to try to trip up his kids. So, so the devil came to tempt him. And now it's been 40 days, and Jesus has been on fast, so he hasn't eaten anything. So he wants to tempt him in the area of food. And how many of y'all like me? And if you, ain't four, if you haven't eaten in 40 days, that would be where the devil needs to get you. Come on, somebody. You could have like a beautiful blonde walk by you. Like, I don't care. I'm hungry right now. I'm hungry. Forget that. I'm focused on this. Okay, so he's, the enemy comes in and says, if you are the son of God, notice he questions who he is. The enemy will try to get you to question who you are. Yeah, again, wrong here. At this point, um, he's got the emphasis on the wrong syllable. What he's what the devil's trying to do is get Jesus to doubt the word that he heard God say. What did God say? You are my beloved son. And so he's basically trying to tempt Jesus along the lines of doubting this word from God. It's not about doubting his identity. It's doubting the word of God, God who spoke who he is. So he's got the emphasis on the wrong syllable, and he keeps obnoxiously sticking us into the middle of this text, which he should not be doing. That's why you got to listen to songs like, I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who he says I am. That's what I listen to. I, I, I. You sound like the devil there from Isaiah 14. So now when the devil says, you're, you're not acting like a Christian, you go, I'm not acting like one. I am a Christian. I am anointed. Now, I might have slapped a trucker a minute ago, but he... I am anointed. Yeah. Jesus said in the last day there would be false Christs. Christos means anointed ones. Yeah, literally this theology that he's spewing and a lot of other people are spewing, it's like the the theology that manufactures and creates false Christs, false anointed ones. That's literally what we're witnessing here. Knew I was going to do that when he picked me. He knew in all my frailty, he knew in all my jacked upness, come on, somebody ought to help me, that I would be the person to do what only I could do, and there would be a hole in space in the world if I was trying to be somebody else. That's why you got to... In the last days, people would be lovers of self. Uh, that's what David Crank is, and the people he's preaching to, well, he's feeding their 
love of themselves. You, because nobody else can be a better you than you, and there'll be a hole in the purpose of the world if you ain't being you. And if you're black, be black. Come on. If you're sassy, be sassy. If you kind of, if you're a poetry guy, be a poetry guy. If you're a hunter, go kill something. But do whatever it is you do and fulfill your purpose and understand God's not basing. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, and the problem is, is that you are the problem, and you had to be bled for and died for love for you on what you do he's basing his love for you on what jesus did two thousand years ago when he obeyed god somebody ought to help me right now and he submitted to god's call and he went down in that jordan and he crossed over for us and hell doesn't like it but hell can just go to hell yeah wow yeah that, that's profound right there yeah and shouting trying to get people to you know, get themselves into an emotional frenzy. That's also part of the manipulation going on here. Yeah, I said it. You know, as a preacher, you don't get to cuss much, but if you can ever seek it into a sermon, come on, somebody. It feels so good. That's Christian cussing right there. I can just fit it in. That's so nice. So now, he says, if you are the son of God, Command these stones to be made of bread. Now, you know, Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have made them Krispy Kreme donuts. Let's just thank God for Krispy Kreme. God, we thank you right now for Krispy Kreme donuts. We thank you that you gave somebody the idea to put glass on a wall so we could see the goodness and the mercy of God that was coming towards us. We thank you, God, that we can see it fall down and be baptized. Come on, somebody. Immerse and glaze and come out hot with a hot sign off. God, you are good. If you never do anything else, you gave somebody a good idea. And all the cops said, amen. It's such a stereotyping right it's like yeah and when people leave there they'll be sitting there going how how that was such a great message he made me laugh oh that was oh man he's so animated he has such great delivery he's so funny and yet he's funny like a heart attack because what he's filling their head with won't save them in fact will in fact send them to hell cops like donuts well of course they do everybody likes donuts come on so, so, so he could have done it, but he didn't. But notice he left out, the devil did this intentionally. He left out one of the most important parts. Come on now. He left out the part, my beloved son. He said, if you are the son of God. He did not say, if you are the beloved son of God. Because then that would have triggered something in his emotions. Going, hey, hang on a minute. I am loved by him. I am favored by him. I am equipped by him. I'm anointed by him. And yes, I haven't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. But oh, I'm strengthened by the spirit of God that is on the inside of me. And I'm not doing my will, but I'm doing your will. Because he would have been reminded of the father's love. And that's why the devil tries to keep you out of this house. Because I'm not here today to preach to you. No, no, really. The devil devil practically opens the door for the people at Faith Church St. Louis and invites them in every week. Not who you're not. You already know that. And the devil reminded you of that. But I'm here to tell you that you're born again. That God loves you. That he gave himself for you. Somebody ought to help me right now. That's why we go to church. is to give back praise and say, oh God, we love you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for going to hell for us. Thank you for being baptized for us. Thank you for being spotless for us. Thank you for being God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Makedus, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Adonai, the great I am, the wheel within the middle of the wheel. 
field, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. You are the great I am. Come on, somebody ought to give him praise for about 10 seconds. Don't let me just preach to you. Come on. Yeah, that's all manipulation right there. Designed to get an applause line, and he's got it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody ought to praise him by yourself. Come on, somebody ought to clap your hands. Somebody ought to say amen. Come on, Weldon. Come on, Earth City. I just decided I have to leave in 10 minutes. Or I could stay and just stream it and waste my time on the highway. And I do like the song, Life is a Highway. But today, I'm going to stay here probably till the 1230. I'll go back to the 1230. But right here, I got this baby in me. It's halfway out and I got to deliver the rest of this. Come on, somebody. Come on, Earth City. Go with me on this, Earth City. He is about ready to deliver a baby right on stage there. Lucky us. Quick, call a midwife. Go with me on Welly. Come on, wave your hand if you're cool with that. If I ever scream to you, it ain't because I'm lazy. It's because you needed more information. So, so, so shout, I'm the one the Lord loves. Now, when the dove showed up, the theologians say, if you study it out, and the comment, some of the commentaries say this as well, when, when the Holy Ghost showed up, he's so big and he was so powerful and the voice of the rumble was so big that it actually caused a massive wake in the river. What theologian said that? I've read quite a few commentaries on the Gospel of Matthew, written by actual biblical scholars and theologians, and I have yet to read a single person who described the wake that was created with the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-huh. You know why? Because the text says nothing about no wake. You just added that to the biblical text. You're adding to scripture. I mean, the only way I know to describe this is when I was growing up, we were poor, like real poor. Like we thought our neighbors next door were rich because they had a galvanized pool and it had rusted out like it'd probably been on a farm somewhere sitting in the mud. And so it had holes in it, like little rust parts, but they had shoved like white uh, towels in it that they probably stole from the Holiday Inn. Come on, anybody ever heard of that? Come on, raise your hand. Don't act like you ain't got soap or towels that say Days in on it. And, and, and so it's there. And I would look at them and we didn't have a pool, but so I thought they were rich. They had a rusty pool, but they were rich because all I had was a hose. He's a maniac, maniac on the floor. Okay, so I'm there and my cousin says, I saw them and they were leaving out of town. He's spending the summer with me. We could cross over the fence and we could go in the pool. Now I knew my dad would have a cow. This isn't going to happen because my dad was the guy that said, you don't even walk through people's yards like a shortcut. You walk all the way to the corner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So he talked me into it because it was hot. It was July. I understand. That's probably when Nelly wrote the song. It's getting hot in here. So take off all your clothes. I, I got it. And he taught me into it. Now, you got to picture this. My, my cousin, he's a couple years younger than me, and he loved to eat. So he was big boned and retained water. Like he always wore husky jeans. 
but husky jeans look like skinny jeans on a rapper. Come on, somebody. I was just, but he was big. Everybody shot. He was big. And so we're all, we snuck over there and it was fine. My dad wouldn't have had to know. Nobody would have had to know. We're kicking around in the pool, making circles around the pool. You know, we're kind of hitting our foot on the rust. We're like, oh man, we cut ourselves. Probably could have died, lost a toe. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my big cousin decides he's going to get up on the deck and jump in the pool. He doesn't tell me he's going to do it. He just says, cannonball. Boom, comes in. The tool's only this deep. And his whole big old body, he's coming at me. I look up and I'm like, ah! He comes flying in the water with all his bigness. Uh, boom! And all the water just starts splashing out. And my cousin and my brother and everybody's screaming and yelling. Here comes my dad. Come on, somebody. My dad's looking out. We done hopped the fence. And we could have been fine. But something really, really big showed up. I'm telling you that that's exactly the way I see it in my mind's eye. When God was baptizing Jesus and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit showed up. Somebody ought to shout amen. You couldn't hold him back. You couldn't set him back. The whole waves because something big jumped in the pool. Look at your neighbor and say something big is jumping in your pool. Come on, tell him. Come on, Weldon. Come on. Something big is jumping in my pool because you told this story from your childhood. That, that makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. And you tell them, look at your other side, that second choice, and tell them something big is coming into your pool. It's undeniable. Now, here's the kicker. Sometimes you don't realize the significance of a moment. Today, you were asked to fill out a card. Part of the reason why is because I pray for you every day. Our pastors pray for you. So we don't pick up necessarily a picture unless you went to growth track and took a picture, but we pray over you. God, I thank you, Lord. We pray right now for Eric Dewar. I pray for Eric. God, I pray right now for Greg Crane. God, I pray. And we pray. But we don't know if you're saved or not saved if you didn't check the card. So I could be praying for your salvation. God, get them saved. And you're already saved. Now I need to say, God, now open up the heavens for them. That's one of the reasons. Then the second reason you were handed the card that you need to fill out at all campuses and drop in later is because if you haven't been water baptized, this next weekend is the weekend to do it. And if you haven't been water baptized... Or you were back in the day, but you fell away from the Lord. You need to do it again. Being reimmersed in water. Because when you go down, you're identifying with the... What? Oh, my word. So, you got to be rebaptized if you've... Oh, my goodness. This is unbelievable. Death of Jesus. Then when you come back up... You're, you're, you're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. So you might have went down bound and you come up free. You might have went down with cancer and you come up healed. Because at that Jordan moment, Jesus said, this is the place of death. Here is the moment where the addiction dies. Here's the, the moment where the suicide devil leaves you alone. There has to be a complete immersion moment in your life. That's, what, that's why Jesus did it. And- so we need to have a complete immersion moment. You haven't had one of those. Well, you, yeah, based on the way he's talking, you may not even be saved. That's why you have to do it. You're not smarter than Jesus. You've got to obey so you don't stray so you can do what he say. Come on, somebody ought to help me right now. You've got to do it. What? Oh, this is annoying. What, what's the thing that you're supposed to be doing that you're, not, that, you're, that you're just not doing? You could be one moment away from something and not even know. May I suggest that, that perhaps there's greatness all around you and you don't even know it? One of the reasons why I know greatness is all around you is the person next to you is really great. Because if they weren't really great, Jesus wouldn't have died for them. 
But sometimes you really under... Jesus died for sinners. Wow. Estimate the power of the moment. You treat people different if you knew... Or if I knew who they were, I would treat them different. You, maybe you don't even know who you are. You're the, you're the one the Lord loves. And my dad said I'm no good. Your dad was a fool. Your, your mama said I wasn't no good. She didn't know. Maybe she wasn't properly loved, so she didn't know how to love. So she tried to do to you what she had saw done to her. And so now you need to come to church and hear what the Father says about you. And you are the one that the Lord loves. The reason why you're overeating, the reason why you're overdrinking, the reason why you're abusing, abnormally using something is because you don't feel loved because you don't love you. The reason why you- No, the reason you're doing those things is because you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Notice again. He's trying to make people believe that the reason they sin is because they're victims rather than perpetrators. He's not proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins. You can't love your neighbor as yourself because you don't even like you. But you should like you because you're special. Because if you were not special, Jesus would not have died to you. And so the devil's always telling you, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. David, you're no good. And then the demon says, come on and sing it again. You're no good. You're no good. You have to silence that stupid. No, you should not silence that. Saying you're no good is exactly what you should do. Uh, May I have you consider a text with me? The the epistle of 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Huh? Yeah. What David Crank is saying here is the exact opposite of what Scripture teaches us record going in your head and say i am chosen not forsaken i am who he says i am right i'm gonna give you another chance to clap because i'm preaching and you're spectating you kind of watch. oh yeah that's cute i like that that's not no, no i'm not here to just talk to you i'm here to set you free today he who the son has set free is free indeed not just immersed in baptism get immersed in the word get immersed in the church go to growth track get some new fr- yeah do get immersed in the word because it'll open your eyes to the fact this guy's a false teacher and a wolf delete some people some of y'all this afternoon y'all just delete people out of your phone You'll know who they are when they text you at 2 a.m. What's up, boo? You know who that is. And they need to go. Because God can't do the new thing, and you hold on to the old thing. You can't be who God's calling you to be and be who you used to be. So I'm identifying some areas that perhaps you can move into to be who you're called to be. Yeah, without actually calling them to repent and to be forgiven and receive forgiveness for their sins. Wow. Everybody shout amen. So, so, so you can be around greatness and not know it. When Jesus asked John to baptize him, he knew he was great. That's my cousin, but he's the son of God. But sometimes you don't know it. I was in Australia a few days ago, and it's already Monday there, right? So the time says it's a real whole, it's a whole kicker, man. And then 17 hours in a seat flying there, and I got there to do a bunch of preaching stuff. And I had breakfast scheduled the next day with... John Gray, if you don't know him, a big African-American guy. 
big boy. And so he wanted to have breakfast in the morning. So I went to have breakfast with John and then Joel Houston, who's, uh, you know, Hillsong Young and Free. And then Earl McClellan, uh, a pastor that preaches here sometimes, Great Church of Dallas. So we're all four sitting there. And then all of a sudden this guy walks up to John and says, what's up? And John goes, what's up, CT? I don't know who CT is. And then CT looks at me and says, Frank. St. Louis is my favorite town, man. We're in Australia. I assume he's a preacher because there's a lot of preachers that kind of fangirl over our church and what we've done. So I'm like, what's up? Where are you pastor? I don't pastor. What do you do? That's early. I had breakfast, no coffee. I'm a singer. What kind of songs? It's like pulling teeth with you, man. So John thinks I, that I'm playing him. Joel thinks I'm playing because they know who he is. I don't know who he is. I'm like, so what do you do? He said, well, I write songs. And I said, what kind of songs you write? And they said, PD, that's Chris Tomlin. And I said, how many of y'all know? I just freaked out. He had a flat bill. I didn't know him. He knows St. Louis because he loves St. Louis. He loves Faith Church. He's Chris Tomlin. He knows me. I don't really know him in this room. I don't expect to see Chris Tomlin in Australia at breakfast in the morning. So I, I'm in next to greatness, but I don't know it. And all I know is I just freak out, flush whiter than I am. And I go, <gasps> Well, I know this. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. <laughs> Undescribable, unimaginable. And he laughed and they laughed. But they go, you really didn't know who he was. We thought you were playing around. And I said, I didn't know. But may I suggest to you right now, Weldon, may I suggest to you, our city, that sometimes you really don't know who you are because you, if you really knew who you were, you would drive down the road, people flipping you off and you're like, doesn't matter because the Lord loves me. People can fire you and you go, oh yeah, the Lord loves me. I was looking at John. I'm so amazing. Apparently, who knew? I found this one. Except somebody said, I'm leaving you because you're ugly. I must not be too ugly because Jesus died for me. Come on, you just walk around crazy. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. He loves me. Woo! I think this is another person who has lost his mind. Wow. You can walk through the mall. He loves me. He loves me. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. You're crazy. Yeah. You lost your mind. I have. I lost my mind. And now I have the mind of Christ. And if this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, that raised him from the dead, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. Somebody ought to help me right now. I'm talking. This isn't a Baptist thing, a Presbyterian thing, a Catholic thing. This is a Jesus thing. And we are anointed, appointed, qualified, and we are who he said we are. But you got to know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, sit down now. Sit down, sit down. I'm all, I got a little bit of time. Because now we would be over and I would have to leave. How many of y'all ain't ready for me to go right now? How, how many of you are ready for me to go? Raise your hand if you're ready for me to go right now. Just checking to see if there are any stupid people in here right now. Okay. Now, here, here's what happens. When Jesus got baptized and the Holy Spirit showed up, this is my son in whom I'm well. Please, please, please. Come on, go with me. Please. Yeah, and apparently there was a wake. Yeah, the, the fluttering of the Holy Spirit left a wake. Please, please, please. Y'all good at that. Okay, so, so watch this. There's always a time and a moment when you hear the word 
And then Satan comes immediately to steal the word. In my life, as we speak, I got a lot of heaven and a decent amount of hell. You never know it because I don't preach what happens to me. I don't preach that the guy who tried to abduct my daughter that's wanted for multiple times of sexual, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, basically taking advantage of a minor that they didn't do anything and they let him out. And I, I'm not into all the stuff that happens in my life. But I'm not here to tell you about what happens to me, the bad stuff. I'm going to glory in the glory of the goodness of God. And I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing. And I will reap if I faint not. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways. Somebody ought to help me. And he will direct my path. But I think it's only fair, Weldon, or City, that I tell you that ain't everything perfect in my life. I'm going through hell all the time. You just think about it. Common sense. Who, If you were the devil, who would you try to take out? Me and my big mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you don't preach the word. You don't preach Christ. You preach yourself. You don't proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Nope. He says, uh, you're laughing, you're crying because I'm preaching, not because I'm educated, but I baptized myself into this and I go, if I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to be. You baptized yourself into this. What on earth does that mean? One bad motor scooter, all energy in, Holy Ghost, tongue talking, come on, fire breathing, baptized, spitting on people on the front row. I'm going to give it my all because I ain't going to go out and go, oh, yeah, well, the Lord. Preaching about himself. You never know what he's going to do. And he's good. And I might say stuff that I shouldn't say. And I should read from a teleprompter. And I need to be politically correct. I ain't never going to be politically correct because I'm a preacher, not a politician. Somebody ought to shout amen. And you need a preacher to tell you the truth. You might not like the truth, but the truth is good. And the truth is you're a heretic. So you got heaven and you got hell. And you're going through it. But the worst thing you can do is to close your eyes and hope it gets better. I'm a pilot, okay? I have a, my bag out back. I got a, a license from the FAA that says I can fly airplanes. So that's what I do. Okay? So when I get in and you leave Sierra Uniform, Sierra, which is spirit, and they clear you to the Forestell VOR at 8,000 feet, and then they clear you to Lambert at 10,000 feet. You're talking to control, and they're telling you what to do, and you're moving, and that's what I used to do for my daddy, is I was his worship leader and his pilot. Now, see, but, but the issue is, I have to listen to the tower. But more than one time, I've been in situations to where bad stuff happened, like parts fell off. Ah! Lost all power, just me and Nicole. Over the Smoky Mountains, it goes black. I didn't look at her and go, God! We're gonna die! Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yeah, how sad that the only appearance of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer Jesus actually taught us to pray, is in the context of. Him telling another story about himself rather than him teaching them to pray this prayer. No, 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 no. I said, it's going to be all right. I got this. And on the inside, I was going, God, I hope we don't die. <laughs> but I mean, you, know, you can't close your eyes and hope it gets better. 
you got to find out the training in which you were trained on and you rely on dead reckoning and equipment that they had back in the day. But if you don't know the word, come on somebody, then the thief comes to steal the word. So you don't go to church. You don't hear the word. You don't read the Bible. Then you go, ah! That's why a lot of y'all have spiritual crashes. Just stay with David Crank and you'll be crashing all over the place. This is an actual crash that we're listening to right here. Wonder what happened to them. I hear this all the time when they say, oh, small airplanes kill people. No, people kill small airplanes. No plane ever got up and said, I'm going to go destroy myself today. Some idiot who didn't know what he was doing, flying in weather that he shouldn't be flying in, done went and done something stupid. You got to know that, that the enemy is going to try to get you at your weakest moment when you're being tempted by the devil. And he's going to tell you, don't go to church. Don't go to growth check. Don't get baptized. You're no good anyway. Who are you? You don't act like a Christian. I'm not acting like a Christian. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become brand new. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you're going to die early. With long life, he will show his salvation to me. He satisfies my mouth with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagle. I walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise. That's what a trained mind does. See, people just think you went to church today. Oh, that's nice. Why don't you find a church closer to the house? Like, why do you drive? A church alive is worth the drive. You get to the house of God. You hear the right information. The right information gives you revelation and then you're free. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free. Come on. I'm a child of God. Yes, I, I want a Beyonce fan right now. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am. Okay, that's enough. We, I'm trying to be worship leader right now. It was fun for a minute. Now, a little bit of a note. He still is not actually exegeting Matthew 3. And every time he... Attempts to work in the text, he can't help himself. He makes it about you rather than Christ. Wow. Okay, so uh, let's get this before we leave. Sometimes between the prayer and amen and the manifestation takes a while. So anybody in here like candy? Raise your hand if you like candy. I'm, I'm like a, like candy. Okay, I like candy. Oh, don't cue me. I'll cue you later in the day. Thank you, though. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience to get them to make the decision of one kind or another. So, uh, candy. Anybody here like candy? Okay, so, so you put, anybody ever had Pop Rocks and you put Pop Rocks in your mouth? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, all campuses. Pop Rocks. Anybody? Uh, pop Rocks on the table don't do anything. But when the pop rocks hit your mouth and the saliva in your mouth hits it, it starts going. And it's a whole lot of goodness in your mouth. Come on, somebody. That's what pop rocks do. But pop rocks alone, they're not activated. So that's why the word has to be in your heart. Because out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. 
So just like Pop Rocks, the word will not work in your life until you start getting into your mouth and you start framing your world with your words instead of... Yeah, word of faith heresy now. So you got to activate the word of God by speaking it a particular way. I might lose my job. I don't know what's going to happen. No, no, no. You don't do that. You put it in here and you start saying the word instead of what's happening in the world. And the world is confused. You can't, you can't watch CNN and Fox and be happy. It's like delete it. Like clear it out of your, your, your world. You don't want to watch that mess. It's a bunch of mess. Why, why do we want to hear what's happening in the world? We already know what's happening in the world. We, know, we need to know what's happening in the word. And then we put the word in our heart. And then we can change the world. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise today. You're an overcomer. You're chosen of God. You're called with a purpose. And the enemy has tried to make you think that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. Yes, it does. You have to say it. Now, as we start wrapping this up, watch this. The Bible said that we would say under the mountain, not think into the mountain. Your mountain won't move until your mouth moves. This is so bad. Okay. So you've got to open up your mouth and you've got to say what you want to have happen in your life. When God saw dark, he said light. That's because he's God. Again, by making that comparison, that becomes the tacit uh, but very, very firmly believed uh, doctrine of the Word of Faith heresy, that you are a little God. So we must model that behavior, but we must model that behavior through obedience. Again, obedience is the blessing exchange. If you're a note taker, write that down. Obedience is the blessing exchange. No, it's not. The gospel proclaims to us the blessed exchange. The gospel teaches us that the sinless, spotless son of God had our sin placed on him. Uh Uh-huh. As it says in Isaiah 53, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then we learn in Philippians 3 that we do not have a righteousness of our own that comes through the law, but we have been granted by faith the righteousness of Christ. It's been imputed to us. That's the great exchange. With me, all campuses. Why? Obedience is the blessing. So my daughter, Ashton, she was up here singing a while ago. That girl, she, she, we were in Australia together, and she... We, you know, there's a picture of 20,000 people in this, this Coliseum and, and Hillsong Young and Free is there. And she's got on her Hillsong Young and Free like gear. And so the inventor, basically, Brian Houston, he is Brian Houston of Hillsong. He started the church and all music. So and, apparently David Crank uh, was one of the speakers at Hillsong Conference this year. I t- and Brian said, and, and I told Brian, I said, you got Hillsong Young and Free. I have Hillsong Young and Expensive. <laughs> Hillsong Young and Expensive. So he gets up, 20,000 people around, around the world, and he goes... My friend David Craig is here today, and I have Hillsong Young and Free, and he has Hillsong Young and Expensive. My point is, is that she pretty much gets what she wants because she's my only daughter, and she's so cute. And she comes up to me, and she just says stuff that just melts me. And her mama has to try to rein me in, but it's not like, she doesn't even have to get to my credit card. She has my credit card. Come on, somebody ought to understand what I'm saying right now. So, so, but sometimes when she's not doing what she needs to be doing, I have to say, give me that credit card back. And usually it's because her mama said, go get that credit card right now. <laughs> go down there, get that credit card. And so I got to go down there and tell her. 
Your mama told me to bring this card back. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Yes, I did. But oh, my point is, is that obedience opens up all that I have. She can be young and expensive because whatever I have is hers based on, not that I don't love her, based on her obedience. And may I suggest... We are saved by grace through faith. In fact, let me read out part of Galatians chapter 3. It will help us here. Galatians 3, O foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Christ Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. So let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law? The answer is no, not by works of the law, or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. This guy is a law preacher on top of it. He's not even properly distinguishing law and gospel. You at our city in Weldon or in, 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 in our online campus, that maybe there's just one or two clicks, and you know what they are. God told you not to do it anymore, and you're doing it. And I'm not wanting you to feel bad. I'm just saying it feels so good to feel good that I want you to feel good. So I don't want you to temporarily think you're feeling good by doing this, and it's really not good. It's actually the wages of sin is death. But if you yeah, call it what it is, David. Expound on that sin. But you don't want to make them feel bad. You don't want to convict them of their sin. Jesus said that when he, sent the, when he sends the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and unbelief. Get baptized and you leave the old stuff down and come back up. It's not that that thing won't stalk you anymore. It's like, I got baptized. I want my money back. Well, we didn't charge you. Um, I got the t-shirt that says I was made new, but I wasn't made new. Because that thing will still stalk you. But when it comes back and tries to get you back to where you were, you go, hang on a minute. No, I've been made new. I'm not going with that anymore. I'm in a group. Come on, somebody. I'm in a small group. I'm making this big church little. I went through growth track. You need to do that today. I signed up. I put this in because you only get out of the bank what you put in the bank. So if you go up with your ATM and you want to take out money and you didn't put no money in there, ain't no money for you because you didn't put no money in there. So if you're going to put the word in your heart, when you're pressured, when you're stressed, when you're maxed out, what's going to happen? The word's going to come out when the word's in there. But if you're full of the world, it doesn't work. Here's the last thing I want to say. I think. Raise your hand if it's been okay with you today. Come on, all campuses, raise your hand. Okay, so, so, so watch this. I have, a, I have a son who's not biologically my son. So when Austin, Nicole and I got married, she had a son and he was seven and I'd never been a dad before. I never read a book on parenting before. All I know is I got this kid that's mine, but not really mine. So now I have to try. I've never seen it modeled. I got to try to, to raise this kid the best way. So I would listen to the Holy Spirit who would say, say this to Austin, not in a big voice like, Hey, tell this to Austin. It was a knowing, it's a knowing, it's a women's intuition, it's a, it's a hunch, it's a, a seems like, and Holy Ghost like, I got a name, come on, son. 
So I would, I would tell stuff to Austin like this. Austin, you have two dads. I do? Yeah. You got a good dad in Dallas, and you got me here. Okay. Now he's going to play ball with his dad, and he's telling him stuff like, you're going to be this, swing bat about a swing, you're going to be that, you're going to be that. And I'd always tell him, Austin, you might not be a ball player, but I'll tell you who, no matter what you do, you're going to be successful. Speaking, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're going to make it. And I spoke so much love, beloved son. I spoke so much life into him. People ask me today, how is it that he's 28 and he's campus pastoring today in Florida? How is that? Well, when he went through college, I was telling him, you're going to be good. You're going to be great. I never thought he would be a preacher. I thought for sure he would go with his father. That's his dad. His dad lives in Dallas. He's a great cusser. He's like an incredible cusser. Like I always admired his ability to cuss. Like he's one of the greatest cussers I've ever. Anybody ever heard anybody that like some people try to cuss and they're not cool. But then somebody's like, you are a one really good cusser. I mean, he's great. And that's one of the things I told Austin. He's often not your dad. is He's a linguistic master of cussing. Okay, so when Austin now is sitting on the front row at Earth City. God speaks to him that he's supposed to break it up with this girl that he's been dating for three years. How many of y'all know sometimes the thing God tells you to do sounds good, but it hurts like heck, right? And so he wants to break it off. A few days later, it happens, and he calls me, his dad, not his father. He, he calls me up, and he says, oh, man, Papa, I need to talk to you. You know, this happened, and then this fight ensued, and the next thing I know, I told him we were done. And, then, and so I'm talking to him on the phone, and I'm crying with him and loving him for like an hour. And then and it's like 2 in the morning. I'm like, where are you? He said, I'm at home. So I walk outside and there he is in our driveway and he's just laying in Sunset Hills on the asphalt under the moon. I shut the phone off and we're both sitting there in suits and ties and we're just sitting there crying together. And I was loving him. I was showing him that even in pain, even in disappointment, even in trouble, even in trial, somebody ought to help me right now. That I'm your father and I don't have all the answers like he does. Somebody ought to help me right now. But I'm by your side and I love you. So then when it was time for him to take the job with his dad, he came to me and said... I know it makes sense to go with my dad, but I can't do it. I got to stay with my father. And I cried like a baby. And we put him in Florida and he's a campus pastor. And then he's up pastoring. And last year he's up cracking the word and he gives an invitation because his dad was on vacation and he's praying on the inside that maybe his dad wouldn't go to hell. And he calls the altar call and his dad slips up his hand and then his stepmom slips up his hand and then his little brother slips up his hand and then his little sister slips up his hand. Somebody ought to help me right now. This is what happens when you love people that aren't really connected to you. This is what happens when you're a stepdad. This is what happens when you're Come on, give me- uh, yeah, he's got him whipped up emotionally. But man, he's totally mangled God's word and, uh, you know, these, uh, this quite sentimental story about himself, because that's who he's preaching about, has nothing to do with Jesus' baptism. Nothing whatsoever. I'm talking to you right now. God loves you in spite of you. He doesn't care what you did. He knows what you are. He knew that when he picked you. He picked you the way you were. And he's going to start immersing his love for you. And just picture it jumping in your pool. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am. Well, please, come on, somebody give him crazy praise. I dare you to praise him. Hey! Shout, he's a good, good father. Stand up with me and say he's a... Done. Oh, what a mess. So there you go. A lot of scratching of itching ears and no preaching of the word. 
in any accurate, meaningful, Christ-centered way, and uh, everything hinges on obedience, uh, which is all law and is not the gospel at all. This whole thing was a train wreck from beginning to end. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you and the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ is vicarious death on the cross. For all of your sins. Amen.